thought you were gonna make some sort of pun about uh, something. Some smells funny in here. It smells like last year. <laughs> something. <clears throat> All right, it is late at night. Only 10:30 in Las Vegas, but uh, we are about three, well, two and a half hours after the end of the uh, Duke UNC game. Welcome to another episode of Duke Basketball Junkies. I am Michael Exet. I'm here with my good friend, lifelong friend since college, Peter Rowe, uh, since Pegram Dormitory. Uh, tough loss tonight. UNC played great in the second half. Yeah, UNC played a good game. Uh, they played with a lot of heart. A lot of heart. I thought they were going to get knocked. It seemed like we were going to land a knockout punch early in the game. I thought at halftime, Coach K was right, we should have had like an 8-10 to 10 point lead. For whatever reason, our guys seem to lack a sense of urgency and a sense of valuing each possession like it's important because it is. Because each game only has however many, 60 or 70, 75 possessions per team. That urgency doesn't kick in. And in the second half, UNC seemed to grab every offensive reboard, offensive rebound. And, uh, you know, that's that was the ball game. I mean, I, I thought I thought we deserved to lose the game, and I, I really liked the way we played for most of the first half. The first half was fun to watch. It was a high-scoring affair. First 15 minutes of the first half, we go up about 40 to 27. MB20 looked like a baby left-handed check. <laughs> yeah, every, everything like, looked pretty... How, how is most this, things look pretty how smooth. Did, how is that dude not able to play 15 minutes a game? Oh, oh, oh Bolden you're talking about. MB20. Yes. Baby he, Shaq. He looked he looked nice, man. It was the best he's ever played for, you know. It was it was the best he's ever looked on offense for sure. Alex O'Connell not hitting rim on his three-point shots. Yeah. How does this guy not How is he not instructed to shoot six or seven threes every game? Oh, yeah, well O'Connell played 18 minutes, Bolden played 17 minutes. They both scored. They that both is... contributed. So our complaint about no. the not no. playing the bench, <laughs> that's not why they lost this game. Now, they were up forty to twenty-seven, and from that point on, was it forty to twenty-seven? Thirteen-point lead. Forty to twenty-eight. Forty-one to twenty-eight. Forty-one to twenty-nine. Oh. Let's just say something like that. I thought we had like a ten-point lead. Uh, we were up a little more than ten at one point. Okay. Uh, it, let's say it's eleven, twelve, thirteen. Let's just call it eleven points. From that point on, we only scored thirty-eight points. I'm going to say the last twenty. Four to twenty-six minutes of the game, we only scored thirty-eight points, and that thirty-eight includes like a last-second three from Alex O'Connell. We scored twenty-nine points in the second half, right? Including like seven points in the last garbage, minute, sort of garbagey. Yeah, points. minute, minute and a half. So we really like we were stuck on seventy-one for a long time. We we were holding UNC scoreless for a little while without a field goal. Yeah, they, they could were, they, they could were make a, a lot bucket. of boards. But like we we also were failing you know failing to score in the second half. Um, they actually put up about the same number of points in the first and the second half. I actually I liked our defense, kind of. I did not like our defense. Early in the game. I didn't like our defense early in the game. It's early in the game, there's one thing we were messing up. We, we kept let, leaving three-point shooters they're only, pretty wide open. There, there are three three-point shooters on UNC you have to worry about. Yeah. Kenny Williams, Cam Johnson, and Luke May. Joel Berry has been shooting horrifically from the outside this entire season. He's been struggling. Luke May, for whatever reason, was not hitting outside shots in this particular game. 
Cam Johnson, Kenny Williams got extremely hot, and it still seemed like they were able to pull up and shoot a twenty-four wide open twenty-four footer whenever they wanted. They they missed open looks too. They actually, I thought they had shot really well from three, and then I looked after the game. They were only eleven of thirty-three from three. They had, but out of those thirty-three looks, I would say at least twenty-five were borderline uncontested. Um, well, well, not uncontested, yeah, but, but like just pretty multi- open. Mul- multiple yeah. switches, and then and then there's a late closeout. Yeah, so if we want to get into it, I mean, what I what I was saying is I thought we played decently well on defense, not giving up easy baskets for the first part of the game. Uh, then they hit some threes, stretch us out a little. In the second half, we, we ended up giving up a lot of easy baskets. Normally, I'm banging on the guards for allowing penetration, which totally happened in the second half. Yeah, but. Uh, you know, swinging gate, trade trade ball, Grayson Allen, even trade, O'Connell. Trade, they're, they're trade ball is embarrassing. There there was one, there was one offensive series where UNC got the rebound and it was clear that he was needed in transition and should sprint back. He just like almost walked back on defense in transition. I and, noticed that too. I mean, and there was one like, where he got the ball I don't stolen. I don't I don't understand. Like what what is the problem? There, there are other times on defense where he got called out by Billis, Jay Billis, the announcer. Um, not only does he not box out, he just stands flat-footed and lets Joel Berry just crash the, crash the boards. Listen, I've been, I, I, I've been talking about this all season. All I, season. Yeah, I read that It's Luke, not new. I actually think he's improved. <laughs> you, we, we're just noticing it a little bit more, maybe, because it's, we've been talking about it all season. But yeah. you go back and you watch the game tape. Go back and watch the Texas game. Go back and watch the Florida game. He's doing he's doing it worse. Like he's, I think he's actually slightly improved. He has, he has bad he's, habits, and it's for it's, whatever reason he cannot seem to reform it midseason. Yeah, and it's not just him. Ricky Price was right when he was on the podcast. It isn't just him. I mean, I, I notice examples of Grayson Allen. Just he challenged one. He challenged an uncontested look. Like. That would normally he just like stick his hand out and turn his back, and he challenged one. He actually fouled a guy yeah. in the first half. And by the time the second half was rolling, there was two or three where he just sort of ran away from the the, the finisher. It's Joel Berry. He's got three inches on Joel Berry. There's no reason he couldn't challenge a shot. Uh, he doesn't even try sometimes. I mean, it could be because he's playing 40 minutes a game and he has to pick his spots. Yeah, I don't know. Bagley. As, they're, they're, as athletically talented as he is, occasionally is just yeah. in the wrong spot. Like in transition, he's back in plenty of time, and he just doesn't think to cover the three point shooter. Like he's not used to it. Three point shooting may not be as important in high school basketball, I guess. Or, but but you know, at this level, especially at the next level, if you can't I, close out on three point shooters or stay with them, that's your primary responsibility. Yeah. So often they slack down. Alex O'Connell was guilty of it on one play. He follows a driver, and like two do, two of the, our interior guys pick him up. Alex O'Connell continues down into the lane, away from his perimeter responsibilities, and you know Joel Berry kicks it out. Yeah, and the guy's wide open. I'm not, I mean, he's open by ten feet because, you know, I see Gary Trent do that. I see Javin do it. Yeah, Javin hasn't played much lately. I see Grayson do it. They're all overhelping. They're not quite sure what to do, and we're continually paying the price. Teams. 
teams fill it up on us for a reason. Yeah, I'm 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 glad that like uh, it's not just Duval. The announcers are, are calling out both Grayson and Duval in particular. Like Grace like Grayson, I think Jay Billis said something to he the effect of on a of, pump fake on, on a pump fake with like a 20, jump shot, like 22, a twenty footer. Yeah, but there were like twenty two seconds left on the shot clock against a guy, Joel Berry, who's been struggling with his three point shot. And it's not just that he bit, it's that he was totally out of the play after he landed on his feet. And you just can't do that. Trey Duvall still compounds his mistakes. Like, he'll go for a steal, get out of position, and then just foul. Or I saw him a few times, like, just jumping and landing on the guy. He fouled out of the game for no reason. Yeah. Like, the fouls he committed were not... They're really, like, a lot of them are hopeless kind of plays. You know what I figured out? You know, it's taken me a few months of watching them. And I figured out that these guys are freshmen. And that Grayson just isn't that mature of an all-around player as, as okay. sort of a, a leader. We don't have real leadership on the court in terms of, like, defensive leadership, at least. You know? Defensively, this team is horrific. We just, we just don't have it. You know, it turns out it can it, be it, important. These guys, turn, these guys out, don't have basketball out, IQ on it, the defensive end at all. Yeah. It turns out experience... <laughs> matters a lot experience absolutely can matter like three years ago when we won the national championship we had freshmen we had three freshmen starting we also had a lot of struggles mid-season sort of like this but they they were able to turn it around but here's the thing justice winslow was a was a beast on defense and tyus jones had a super high basketball iq he never played like a freshman yes and we had emil marshall plumley quinn cook as veteran leaders and Matt Jones. And Jaleel Okafor looked like an easy bucket whenever you wanted to. Yeah, Jaleel Okafor had huge strengths, of yeah. course. ACC Player of the Year. Yeah. Let's, I mean, lest we forget, it's because we've only seen him <laughs> trashed for the last ha- three, three four years. But, but like that team had, had a balance of experience and youth. But also their freshmen, Justice and Tyus, did not play like freshmen, especially the second half of the year. And Justice, especially on the defensive end, who's a who's a who's a real beast. None well, of these guys. Maybe Wendell. Okay. Wendell's let, the only one that let, really yeah. shows like signs of let, real basketball maturity on defense. Let me defend these guys a just bit. a little bit. I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm happy with Gary Trent. I'm happy with Wendell Carter. Bagley has regressed just a little bit, but that's simply because he was so transcendent in the first, you know, 20 games of the year. Don't get me wrong. They're fantastic. Duvall, They're just freshmen. Duvall should come off the bench. Duvall, Duvall, I, yeah, I don't know. His, his, his downside is now clearly bigger than the upside. You know, they're turnovers. Last week, last week I was he's calling. He's up shots. Yeah. Well, I, he's taking, he's still taking way too many shots. And again, every week I don't want to bang on Duval too. Last year I called. Last week I I, I was like, let let it might be time to bench him, right? Yeah. At the back half of the podcast, I still think that might be might be the right call. I, it's definitely. I think they the need right to. Call. Yeah. Even even three weeks ago, you were bringing in advanced uh, metrics that stated we're a worse team offensively and a worse team defensively with him on the on the court. There's no doubt. There's no doubt I we would... are worse on both ends with him on the court. And it's sort of a shame because he's really talented offensively, but his decision-making... I mean, we had eight... What did we have? Eight turnovers tonight, and he had four of them? We actually didn't have a ton of turnovers in this game. In the St. John's game, everyone was turning the ball over. Yeah. Like, hot. Like, a lot. What I was going to say is, not only did he have four turnovers, 
But some of his shots are like turnovers. Yeah. Because they don't have much of a chance of going in. He's doing step back, long range twos occasionally. He's still firing up too many threes. He shot seven threes in the last two games. He's just a little bit out of control at the end of the play where he has to make a decision sometimes midair. By the way, how about that dunk? I saw that dunk. How about that dunk? I saw that dunk. (laughs) I leapt out of my seat. I was like, oh my God. That was like the Jason Tatum dunk on Kennedy Meeks that at uh, Cameron last year. It was a statement. I thought we were just going to roll. I thought we were going to win by 15, 20 points. We're going to deliver a message that talent trumps experience. But in the end... This team isn't that good at basketball. Yeah, They're not that good at basketball. And listen to this. I I go on the Twitter feed, and the only only tweet I see from a player, you know, I, I just look briefly, was Trey Duval, Trey Duval, Retweeting his dunk. No. Reach. You can look at his account. No. Yeah, that guy Trey or something, right? Tricky uh, Trey. That guy Trey. Yeah. yeah I, don't know. I think I'm pretty sure it's that guy Trey. Look up Trey Von Duval's uh, Twitter, and maybe he'll get rid of it because some of the comments were not pretty. Yo, bro, what are you doing? You just lost a huge rivalry game, and you're retweeting your one highlight. And, and you didn't even have that big a game. Like, like it says everything. It says everything. That he's retweeting that tonight. It's, Lack of self-awareness. Yeah, he's young, you know. And he's, he's look, young. it was an exciting play. It was an incredible play. His friends should be retweeting An incredible, that. athletically yeah. gifted play. But that, I mean, I feel like a lot of times, especially in the last three or four years, we're sacrificing experience, basketball IQ, doing things the right way for these highly talented six-star guys who can do stuff like this. Well, here's the thing. Anthony Davis was a freshman at Kentucky and had a huge basketball IQ on the defensive end. Justice, like we just talked about. Tyus, all-court game, super high IQ. It, it's not that they're freshmen. It's that these are, these are these guys. This is who they are. They don't know how to... They just don't know. They don't know how. Mm. It's not. It's not I, don't, I, I refuse to believe they're incapable, but I, I don't think they know how. Duke is recruiting guys, obviously the creme of the creme on the offensive end, but we're not anchoring it with balance on the, the other side of the court. You know, I I mean maybe it's hard to tell when they're freshmen. I, I think mean, when they're in high school. I think it goes back to the margin between winning and losing is very small. UNC is the defending national champion. They have Joel Berry, Theo Pinson, Luke May. Okay. Is St. John's the defending national championship? St. John's there? knocked off Villanova at Villanova. Okay. They're 1-11 in the Big East. That was a big win. I'm glad they beat the, the Villanova. One, the 1-11 one one is shows, misrepresentative of the competitiveness of their games. If you, Okay, if you let's say they're a 500 games, Big East team. Yeah. They, they so, still paced it. So we're not, we're not that much better. You know? Right, we're we're an average big conference team right now, slightly above average. I think you're selling us short by saying that. We're eight and five in our last thirteen games, and two of those wins are against Pitt. They don't play like a big conference team. Right, four. You know, so four of those games. We played Pitt four times. Pitt and Wake. Well, Wake's not that bad, but they're not okay. as bad as Pitt. But yeah, if you take out the Wake and the Pitt games, we're four and five. 
So, so maybe you know, in our maybe, last maybe, nine maybe, conference games, including if you include St. John's, maybe we can re- recalibrate and rephrase it like this: every season for the last maybe two, two seasons, and then next season we're gonna have the same expectations. We we have an incoming super loaded, historically great recruiting class, yeah. and our expectations are just too high, and we expect some unrealistic things. When in reality, we should just be enjoying the ride. We should know that these guys are 19-year-olds. Like, when we were 19, let's think back on our lives. Like, were we optimizing every decision? We're, I mean, we were probably horrific. These guys are 18, a lot of them. 18. Uh, yeah, we were, we were doing some really silly things. Come on, dude. What are you talking about? We, it's nothing to do with us when we were 18. You know, if you were good at math, you still were graded in your, in your math class. On, on the same curve as everyone else. Like, you, you, you don't just get a pass because you're 18. You're out there. You're playing for a high-profile program. You're going to be a first-round draft pick in the NBA, perhaps. So, yeah, the spotlight's on you. Yeah, the pressure's on. Right. And our cupboard was bare in terms of experience besides Grayson. Something's going on with Grayson, by the way. Jay Billis mentioned his wrist injury tonight. Okay. That, that was an in-game thing. But he mentioned it hadn't been the same. He hadn't shot the same since the Michigan State game, and he said something about him injuring his I, wrist in the Michigan State game. Does Jay Billis know something we don't know? I I would disagree with that statement because I want was, to say for, was Jay just off? No, I just I, off base there. I don't I don't remember what Jay said. I was watching the game with a group of people, um, but I just feel like for seven he or basically eight, basically mentioned like he, that wrist has been bothering him since the Michigan State game, and he hasn't shot as okay. well. My, my counter argument would be yeah. for seven or eight games immediately after the Michigan State game, he seemed fine. Yeah, he was shooting forty three percent from three. It was no issue then, and then now all of a sudden it's an issue. I, I yeah, I don't know. I don't not know. buying it. Uh, okay, Duval did not. We a little down on, still down on Duval's play a little bit. I am Grayson, very down on Duval's play. Grayson has not been playing, not been shooting well. Grayson, I agree. Some, well. Something's wrong. The alpha mentality is gone. He sort of wants to facilitate. He just he's still bad defensively, but I sort of, I still don't really have. He's issues making with some Grayson. plays. Yeah. He drew a charge in the first half. That was a big play. He also that was him, right? Yeah, and, and that's that's like that in three consecutive games: Notre Dame, um, St. John's. He has taken a charge. Um, like I mean, it's not that he's not trying. It's I nice honestly it reminds me of the old days when we used to have guys that would make a play charge. like that. Yeah, sure. And the old days meaning like last year. I just I I feel like one he he is under specific instructions to not pick up ticky tack fouls, maybe get out of the way unless it's it's a really critical possession. So I feel like he's Good under man. instruction not to foul. And secondly, he plays forty minutes essentially every game. He has to pace himself. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. I, I don't think anyone has to play 40 minutes a game. I put that on the coach's staff. But the, the fact remains, he was 1 of 7 from the floor against St. John's. And he was 3 of 9 from the floor against uh, UNC. And he's only shot like 50% from the line the last few games. Who? Which is out of character. Who? Grayson? Grayson. Yeah. Small sample size. Small sample size, but still, some, something's a little off. And it, it's clear he has not meshed with these freshmen the way... Quinn Cook meshed with those freshmen three years ago. So I don't know if Grayson's to blame for it, but this team has not come together quite the same. Now, there's still time. 
You know, we say that we said this last year. Is there time? There's there's a month left in the season. We have seven. And then the postseason. We have seven regular season games. Yeah. We have the ACC tournament and then the NCAA tournament. It's possible. Well, it is possible that we run the table. However, the games we have remaining on the schedule, like the last seven scheduled games, relatively tough. I mean, a lot of them are, are at home, but... Yeah, we still benefit from that yeah. favorable home, home we, away schedule. We play a lot of good teams. Yeah, well, we got to play at Clemson. and Louisville's tough. Syracuse is tough. We're, we have to play Virginia at Virginia. We have to play UNC again. At Virginia Tech, not Virginia. Yeah, we don't yeah. play Virginia again. Uh, listen, I mean, these guys have time to turn. You know, listen, they win six of the last seven in the ACC, or seven of the seven, and then do do the right thing in the postseason and get us to where we want to get to. We're we're, we're going to remember this as a bad stretch that they learned from, but it's becoming clear to me that they are not who we thought they might be. They are exactly who what some is, people what say. Did you, what did you? You've think been they were warning me be? that they're freshmen. What did you think they were going to be? But it's not just that they're freshmen. It's that they're they don't have a high basketball IQ. Yeah. And they don't. They are not improving on the defensive end as fast as they need the to. Defense sucks. And if anything, when they're 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 facing like tough conference road venues with teams playing harder on defense, more experienced guys. We're, we're faltering a little, uh, you know, with our easy peasy offense. It's, we're having stretches against yeah. UVA in this game in the second half, where the pressure gets turned up, and guys aren't all making the right plays. You right. know, we're, we're, well, you talked about valuing the ball, valuing those possessions. It does feel like we waste too many possessions? There's this sense of urgency that seems to be missing in a lot of first half. A lot of sloppy turnovers, a lot of getting back on D, a lot of not boxing out, all that type of stuff. It's discipline, it's motivation, and here's the thing. They lose to St. John's, and it was a pretty embarrassing loss. They had many days to prepare for this game. They actually came out with a bit of a head of steam, but... I thought they played well in the first half. Yeah, but... It's a forty-minute game. Yeah, when it came down to it, when it and mattered in the second half, it doesn't, it doesn't they help. Got badly outplayed. It does not help when your head coach makes suboptimal decisions in the last two minutes of the game. Can you tell me what he was thinking with those those three bit yeah. three big man lineup? He had Bolden, Carter, and Bagley on the court all at the same time. My, my guess is because UNC was coming down with offensive rebound after offensive rebound and getting two or three shots. Let's each talk time. about the rebounding. Good, good guess, I guess, right? What do you mean, good guess? Good guess that that's what he was thinking. They were getting too many boards. They brought in three big men. Yeah, I, but I saw Theo Pinson said, I, said after the game that he and Luke May told their teammates at halftime, look, we're just going to box the hell out of Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter. Everyone else crash the boards and get the get the rebounds, which is pretty much what happened. Yeah, and our guards don't don't and our guards crash the boards. Could care less about rebounds. They just stand there flat-footed just waiting for Bagley or Carter to come down with the board. But here's the thing. I, I, I keep watching for it. I keep waiting for it. Every time the other team gets an offensive rebound, I hit the eight-second replay button, and I look to see who was supposed to box that guy out. Who's just watching. Well, well, who's watching, but also what Bagley does, and Carter does it a lot of the time. Bagley does it almost every time. He just waits for the rebound, he jumps towards the rim without putting his body on anybody. Yeah. So the guy behind him, if the ball bounces, ricochets, whatever, yeah, 
that guy has a free look at it. Sure. Rather than Bagley sticking his ass in him like you're supposed and to. And being wide. Yeah, being wide, boxing out. That way, wherever the ball goes, he's got the inside position on the guy. Bagley doesn't do it every time. And he gets 15 rebounds a game because Just he's such a monster. Just based on his spring ability. Sure. Yeah. Well, a lot of times they will get the rebound and then they'll miss, and Bagley might get the rebound. There's a lot of rebounding opportunities, and he eats a lot of them up. But at the same time, guys get offensive rebounds. St. John's had 16 offensive rebounds. UNC had 20 tonight. Yeah. Right? I saw that. UNC's not, not, not a big team. But they are a great rebounding team. <clears throat> well, they had a lot of tenacity and desire. But it's not just Bagley. There's other guys that had the chance to box guys out tonight. And the whole team our guards, isn't doing it. Our, our guards have not boxed out the whole year. Well, sometimes you're like, you know, if those guys are on the, at the free throw line, maybe they don't think to box out. I get it. Right? But it's it's but, not. But sometimes they're yeah. down below. Okay. They wind up there. They're not fighting. It's not that they're not fighting. They're using their hands and arms rather than positioning their bodies. It's. I mean, I didn't play college basketball, but I went to basketball camps in the summer. I played high school a little bit, and I mean, I don't know. Twenty five percent of what they teach you growing up is rebounding, boxing out. It's like these guys are so good they never had to learn. They just ignore it. How is, how is the coaching staff not making this a point of emphasis after St. John's grabs 16 offensive rebounds? And again, not a big St. John's team. And it was directly because they didn't box out a lot of the time. Okay. How do they not spend the week just working on this? And the first time someone doesn't box someone out, pull them out of the game, whatever. It's just a joke, you know? So that's my two cents. Also, in addition to that, um, you know, I, I've criticized Coach K for instructing Brian Zubek to miss that free throw in the 2010 Butler title game. Sure. Saying that it's, I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? Weird with, call. With 3.6 seconds left, you're going to instruct him to miss so that Gordon Hayward's shot would it's tie the game. In this game, with UNC had the ball with a minute 50 left. We're down eight points, and he just elects to let them dribble out the clock from a minute 50 to a minute 20. And we got lucky. Theo Pinson, I believe, missed a dunk, and it went out of bounds. But that 30 seconds is pretty valuable. I mean, I think you have to extend the game by fouling in that spot. Uh, I think that that's that's pretty borderline. I actually would be. I'm okay with with, with that. Okay, what you about hope you get a stop and then you hit a three on the other end? What but, about what about but, 30 seconds left? He he says no 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 don't foul Joel Berry. No, I see that with 22 seconds left, Grayson. Was it Grayson that, that did that crazy drive to the baseline and then tried to make this like very difficult pass to a three-point shooter and they, they intercepted it? Okay. I, I hit I hit pause. It was like it was either him or Trey. Yeah, I think it was Grayson. Trey was out of the game. He, okay. he fouled out. There was 22 seconds left in the game, right? Okay. So they're down. What they down? Five or six and six points in that moment. Okay. So you foul them, right? Right. And hopefully Serge Wicker happens. Right. Reference to like the 94-95 game. Um, nobody fouls. Grayson had the opportunity to foul. Okay. But Grayson had four fouls. I think the reason he didn't foul right there is because he didn't want to foul out of the game. <laughs> but guess what, man? There's 20 seconds left in the game. You're going to lose. It doesn't matter about you fouling out. You have to commit the foul. Not yeah. only that, I just I then the ball gets passed down court and they get a, they get a yeah, freak look a at the, a dunk. Yeah. And other guys could have stopped and they all were just exasperated. Bad body language. 
As soon as there was under third, as soon as they both turned the ball over, they all just quit. Now I, I get I, it. You I, quit. You're down six. Yeah. They just plus it, plus. I thought that was the worst moment of because the game they, because they gave up. They just quit. Yeah. yeah. And there have been Duke UNC games where weirder things have happened. If you had played 40 minutes of that game, you probably would have quit long before that point. We 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 basically punked out at the end of the game. Not just on that play, but the last yeah. couple, last three well, minutes. I mean, okay, look, I, I, with a minute fifty left, it's clear we're gonna lose. Our oh. our our expectation of winning is probably like three percent, but you can attempt to increase your win expectation to like four and a half percent by making maneuvers, strategies. I mean, I, I feel like Coach K is just bad at end game situations. He's not perfect. You know, Doug Peterson coached the Eagles to a Super Bowl win and made some clock management mistakes in the last two and a half minutes. Like, you know, two or three left in the clock, he runs the ball when yeah. passing. But if you consistently yeah. make end of the game boneheaded clock management game it, strategy issues, you'll become Andy Reid and you will never go far in the playoffs. It's so much more important in the NFL than it is in college basketball. Yeah. I mean, Coach K basically has almost never paid the price for any really poor decision down the stretch. It's it's hard to lose games it's because team that he's way. deity and people can't question him. Yeah, I mean that that that's that's a truism, I guess, uh, about the program. But like, what I what I care about is the last five six minutes of the game. We gave up. We must have given up six to eight offensive rebounds between like three minutes and seven minutes left in the game. Like down the yeah. stretch when yeah. it mattered, yeah. UNC completely outfought us. You know, okay. And then in the last couple of minutes, you know, to, to some extent, I thought we we punked out. Now, and I include Grayson in that because he made some really poor decisions down the stretch. Even after Deval Deval fouled out, I thought to myself, well, maybe that's not a bad thing. When we were watching, I, he, I was he with, I was with some non Duke yeah. friends, and they were all like, number one is terrible. And and when he fouled out, more than a few people, myself included, were clapping. I felt I felt good about O'Connell coming out yes, of the game. Yes, O'Connell's in the O'Connell game. O'Connell sinks that three. O- O'Connell, but it was too late. The guy who late. should be just gunning threes at every opportunity is in the game. Yeah, um, Mike, I I felt like our conversation would would go this way, so I I came in with one little Q and A mental exercise. If you're game, well, let's talk about something else. Yeah, yeah let's, okay. let's let's turn yeah, the page. Right. So we lose these games. It's so, disappointing. Quick, Maybe we'll turn it around. All right. Just a series of questions for you. Yeah. Um, Marvin Bagley or Chris Webber, who has the better NBA career? Chris Webber. Chris Webber. Chris Webber had a great NBA career. I mean, Chris Webber's NBA career is a lock. It already happened. Is he in the <laughs> Hall of Fame or is he going to be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Um, Juwan Howard. Or Wendell Carter. Oh, I like I like the way you're going with who, this. Who has the best NBA career? Here, let me tell you Chris Webber's stats really fast. I mean, it's not important. The internet's an amazing thing. It's not important. He averaged 20.7 points and almost 10 rebounds a game his entire career. He played, he played uh, looks like, 15 years. It's just, so. just a general point I'm making. We don't have to get into yeah. the specifics. Okay. Juwan Howard or Wendell Carter, who has the better NBA career? Um, That's, that's a tough one. I, I guess, I mean... I'm deal. I'm always gonna go with the the certainty, right? Like Juwan Howard already had an NBA career. You know I'm beating. He was an All Star. You know I'm beating. <laughs> so uh, you know I gotta go with Juwan as well. Yeah. Okay. How about I spot you both Trayvon Duvall and Gary Trent Jr. 
do either of them have a better NBA career than Jalen Rose? No, no one has a better NBA career than Jalen Rose. Okay. He's, he was the best guard. Out of so we, we keep talking about how talented this team is, and talent should trump. Let's go back to the Fab Five, their freshman year. Well, here's the thing. How many losses do you think they had that freshman year? Six, seven, eight. You tell me. Ten. Nine losses. Okay. So my point is, as talented as you are, you come in, you're just some six-star, sick recruit. Experience matters. And if you're a freshman, you're going to make freshman mistakes. You're going to be a little reckless or high variance. That Fab Five... An incredible team, a, a team that actually did go to the title game as a six seed. They had nine losses that year, so a, a measure of perspective and just let's Apple's just all orange. let's just all settle down, yep. just enjoy like enjoy the ride. Maybe this team will get hot and take us deep in in March and April, but they're still freshmen, and we have to t- we have to accept it, accept them for what they are. Apples to oranges in in one respect. Okay. One respect is in, in 19, what was that, 1992, uh, 1993? 1991, 92, I believe. Okay. So Chris, Chris Weber was a rookie in 93 in the NBA. Yeah, he played two years in Michigan. Okay. 90, uh, April 93 is when he called the timeout when he uh, didn't have it. Right, right, right. right, right. Okay. So, and I, I may have a composite memory of them as sophomores versus freshmen. Yeah. But... There's, there's, there's one important difference. Back then, guys like Chris Weber, as you just sort of illustrated my point, didn't only play one year. Okay. Uh, better players like Grant Hill stayed four years. Right. Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley. Yeah. Uh, this College basketball teams were better. They were older. You know, so because you didn't have just everybody was one and done, Yeah. it, it was harder for freshmen that's more difficult for freshmen to compete. That's, that's actually exactly my point. Back then, it was more difficult. Outside of now, it should be a little outside easier. Outside of Duke and Kentucky, yeah. Who else is one and done, Layden? I mean, you look at even one and done the whole first round of the draft last year. Okay, I understand that. But what college <laughs> teams are primarily one and dones, except for Kentucky and Duke? Not only not only the first round of the draft, but the second round is all one and dones. Okay, guys that don't get drafted leave college to go. Play wherever overseas the MBD the G League right. So every year the top out of the top fifty, top fifty to seventy five recruits, half of them aren't in college the next year. Okay. So that means there's like two hundred guys that aren't playing college basketball. I'm sorry, three times that. So maybe a hundred and twenty. So you're saying it's more diluted now. hundred fifty guys. The talent pool is more diluted. There's now. way less talent in college basketball than there's ever been. Okay. Ever. So freshmen can come in and be more dominant. Period. That that's the reason. But but still, your point is a good one, right? Like your point holds, even though it's not as strong as you think. Uh, I think it's very strong. And it's also <laughs> difficult to compare guys who've never played in the NBA to guys who went on to have really good NBA careers. Of course, I'm going to bet on the ones who, you know, there's a chance Bagley's as good as. Chris Webber, right. he's going to have to develop, especially on defense. They still There's have... a chance Carter's as good as Juwan Howard or better. And of course. Well, there's no chance these guys are as good as Jalen Rose. But there's a chance like the fourth, fifth guy are better than Ray Jackson and J- Jimmy King. Right. Right? They're probably. Do you know but, Do you know who Michigan's best bench player was? Uh, Duke and Fife? <laughs> Rob Palenka. 
I don't remember. Kobe Bryant's agent, current Lakers oh. GM. So you know he's had he's got a high basketball IQ. Okay, was Duke and Fife on that team? Um, that was a few years later. I think that was after. But <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Look, the the Fab Five yeah. maybe one of the most talented incoming freshman class. They still have nine losses. You just can't expect some transcendent run like a. I'm expecting it next year. I'm gonna expect it every year. We get this loaded of class. Each each year Here's what for I'm us for Duke, I'm gonna lower expectations even more until I see that they're yeah. capable of truly great things. All like, right. So let 20, me ask you. Let the, me ask you a couple questions. Okay. Uh, is Bagley as is Bag? Uh, let's let's do this. Is Bagley as good as you expected? Better or not as good? He is clearly better. Better than you expected. Much better. Is Wendell Carter? Better, as good. He's only as good slightly as better than I expected because I expected him to be the best freshman on the on the squad. Okay, uh, Gary Trent. Better. Okay. I agree. Whoa! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on. Why'd gonna, you stop there? I'm gonna keep going. I agree on all three of those guys. Okay. Grayson Allen this year better than you expected, as good, or way worse. He is considerably worse. Not, I wouldn't say way worse. You were talking about he might had a chance to score 22, 25 points a game and like rise up the ranks of the, the Duke all-time leading scorers. Fake right? news, ladies and gentlemen. We talked about I never his, said 22 to 25 points a game. He said there was a chance. And and you thought there was a chance his number, we, we talked about it, the first podcast yeah. of the year, his number might wind up in the rafters. If things projected a certain way, yeah. yes. Okay. Also, then the other one. Did, didn't I say that he, Coach K might have had a secret handshake under the table agreement with him? Grayson, you come back. Yeah, one Shepherd of your stupid and theories. <laughs> All these stupid theories. I bet you one. Of, I bet you Jab and Delorier wears number seventeen next year. Maybe um, Duval. 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 Way worse than we expect. He is considerably worse than I thought, and way worse than his reputation. So you know, to the extent we had high expectations. They were riding on having that point guard finally. It's been years since we had like an all-star point guard come in. He was clearly ranked the number, you know, number two guard in his, point guard in his class. Right. Uh, him and Baldwin, and some people thought maybe more talented. Uh, Ball Baldwin. Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton. Yeah. I'm thinking of Wade Baldwin for some reason. And Trey Young was a little bit behind them. Okay. Yeah. So. Why is this team not not performing up up to our lofty expectations? Yeah, I don't think it's the big men, and I don't think it's Gary Trent. It's clearly Grayson Allen and Duval. They're just they're not bringing it. I thought we'd have the best backcourt in the country, and some people were saying that, especially you know early I, like announcers were talking about. I that. we we get outplayed every single game by the other team's backcourt. Okay. Yes, that's actually true. Like abuse. When, when St. We, John's. When, when we lose, there, there's some guard on the other team that scores thirty every time. Yeah, Boston College's guards yeah. outplayed us. Kai NC Bowman State's and, uh, killed us. Right. Yeah, Bowman and Anderson. Is that his name? John. Whatever. Uh, they had two guards who scored. Two guards a killed lot of us. Points. Yeah, NC State. Deontay State's, North, Portland State. Yeah, even those guys. Uh, yeah, we get killed every game by the other team's guards. Right. And. Our guards are very have very mixed success on the offensive end, so like that's well, where it is. I I I disagree with, but, but then with, it's also yeah, I disagree with that. Yeah, uh, that premise. 
I, I agree. Grayson is disappointing. However, I still feel like if you were the coach, what would your starting five be? Like if you if you if Coach K said, "Hey, Mike, you have the reins to the team. You call the shots. How would you run things right now for the rest of the year? Or one more game. Next game. Uh, just rest of the year. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not the coach of this team at this moment. Uh, we'd have a problem. We'd have a problem because I wouldn't play any of them until they started boxing out. Let's sit them all down the next game. You have to play somebody. Is uh, Buckmeyer going to be in there? I mean, they got to box out. They don't box out. And if they don't get back on defense, they're out of the game. If Bobby Knight were coaching this team in his prime, he wouldn't stand for this. Okay. Coach K, some part of Coach K must be dying inside right now. You do know that (laughs) Duke is top five in the nation in rebounding. That stat means nothing. Doesn't mean anything? No. Because of your, number, eye, your, you eye, num- your eyeball. You're talking about number of rebounds? That's what you're talking about. Um, I don't know what I'm talking you about. You have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you're talking about number of rebounds. We play at a fast pace. We, 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 we play high-scoring games. So, yeah, there's a lot of rebounds. Okay. And we get a lot of offensive Who cares about that number? But we don't uh, box out on defense, man. We play awful defense. And I'm just saying, if Coach Knight or the old Coach K was coaching this team... Some things will be going different. There'd be more screaming and yelling, and I get it. He can't quite do that with a one on duns, but like maybe he maybe he could a little bit. Uh, so if I was a coach, I, I would just hold them to that standard. You know, this is what I would do: sit Trey, start O'Connell, Grayson, O'Connell, Trent, Bagley, Carter. Put, and we play a bigger play, rotation and play not play each, anyone more than 32 minutes yeah. a game. No, play them each 30 minutes a game. Yeah. Right? So, and tell them, look, you guys are going to get a five-minute break each half. I want you to go all out. I don't want any rationing of energy. I don't want any lollygagging on D. You sprint back on D. You sprint back transition defense. You box out. 30 minutes a game for the starting five. The other 50 minutes, you parcel out to Trey, Delorier, and Bolden. Get, sure. 15 minutes each, 20 minutes for the guy off the bench who's hot. Everyone's fresh. Yeah, I mean, he has started to sit Deval a little more. Uh, Especially in second halves. But he's still sort he of did, just, he just, did, he just starts him, like, he, as a default. Uh, he did pull him out of the game with two and, a half, two and a half minutes into the game today for Jack White for two minutes. Statement. And then Jack White didn't play again. But I didn't exactly see why he pulled him and. I felt like I he, he made a few mistakes. I, I want to say it was because he didn't run back on D. Okay. Or maybe he it was a careless turnover. Something. Something, something they've been working something on. Like so that. there's a little bit of that maybe going on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough spot at this point in the season. Hopefully it starts sinking in. Hopefully they're, teach, they're, they're doing – I mean, I can't imagine they're not telling them to do these things. Uh, I, but, think, I think they are. Yeah, of course they are. I think they are. I just think it's it's tough. You know, it's tough. Like, I, I saw a video clip of Jeff Capel getting down a low defensive stance, instructing the guys, this team, how to play defense, talking, yelling, barking. So you know they do it every single day. It's just not sinking in. And then after the game, Trey Duvall retweets <laughs> a highlight of him dunking from the first, you know, from when we were up 7-2. to two. And, you know, listen, if he's sitting on the bench at the beginning of the next game, I will not be upset about it. And 
Here, here's the interesting thing. These guys are supposedly just looking out for their draft status. Are sure. they? You Do, think so? I mean, I'm sure they that, check in their, almost every day. Well, that's their goal. Their goal is to be drafted high. Of course. Their goal is to play in the league. Yeah. To fulfill their dreams. And make bank. Duval, Duval is on the cusp. I mean, if any scouts have been really watching, there's no way this guy's getting drafted in the first round. There's like zero chance. Zero chance. I think I'm calling it right now. Zero chance. <laughs> unless there's just no way. Okay. NBA, the NBA is all about defense these days. It's all about contesting shots. It's about not getting abused, and you have to be able to guard more than you know multiple positions. Yeah. This guy is just. It's, and I got news for you. Grayson Allen is in the same boat. I can't see either of them getting drafted in the first round. Okay. Um. You know, I don't know about Gary Trent. I think there's a there's going to be a decent chance we're going to have to watch Duval play again next year. He's going to get some feedback. I mean, he may not take the you, feedback. Do you think he's going to be backing up Trey Jones? I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind if he leaves, but uh, he's not. He's not. He's not going to get what he wants in the draft, and he, he's getting what he deserves. You know. Coach K's quote after the St. John's game: "We got what we deserved. We did get what we deserved." Uh, and he, we, he said, "He said we didn't take the game seriously for 32 minutes. We came back, but the basketball gods they gave us justice, and we we got what we deserved." I thought that was very, very sort of like Odyssey, one of those Greek tragedies. Mm-hmm. Very nice. We didn't get what we deserved the first 10, 10 to thirteen games of the year. We escaped that Texas. Game we escaped the Florida game we escaped Indiana yeah uh, we easily could have lost those games this this team could have this team could have seven eight losses by now right you know, pretty easily right you know we escaped Miami on the road we went down in that game um, so so yeah uh, we're getting what we deserve now by the way I thought we played better tonight against North Carolina we're being negative. I, I thought mean, they played well. They, I thought they actually thought played, they played a pretty well. good game. And, and, UNC played really and again, well. I think it's UNC just, is much better than their record. I know they stumbled. Yeah. Somehow they lost to Wofford at home. But I feel like UNC is a pretty good team, and they'll be there in the postseason. But we had an opportunity tonight to play Crush the game, them. play the game the way it's supposed to be played. It, they had a big, they had a decent sized lead, and it just felt like they kind of blew it. Yeah. So it's frustrating for me. I hate losing to UNC. I hate it, man. It's the worst. You know, the St. John's game, I was willing to write off as a weird fluke. But, like, the two in in combination, along with the UVA loss and the NC State loss and the BC loss, you know, in the last however many games, it's just, it's it's a little tough to take. Uh, And I'm really hoping we we play better down the stretch. I'm getting tired of being negative, negative Nancy on the podcast. We know. for me, I just feel like you have to have a certain healthy detachment from the games because yeah, I've been bang, banging away at, look, the difference between winning and losing is just very small. UNC was the national championship national champion last year. We played them three times. We beat them two out of three games. That's the difference. Like, there's really no difference. We're coming into a game. We're flipping a coin flip. One, per, one team's going to win, one team's going to lose, and you just can't like kill yourself over a loss and be over the moon with a win. You just have to take it in stride. I, I just don't like the way the team's been playing, and I haven't for a while. Okay. Uh, and that's why I was, first, first that's half, why I was upset. Happy. First half, I felt pretty decent about the team until the last couple minutes of the first half. Yeah. Sure. 
Yeah. No, I mean, you were wondering why I was being like, you, you know, you thought the UVA game was a, like a well played game. I thought it was more of the same. I, no, 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 I, I, I just, I just, I just, I, this team I, can I, play better. I just feel like UVA is a cut above all other teams. Yeah, like they're, they're they're one of the top three teams in the country, whereas we're not currently. We're definitely not. And U, UVA, Villanova, I don't know, maybe Purdue yeah. or one of the other teams. I think the one seed has probably flown the coop at this point, right? For us, yeah. We could run the table. If we maybe. ran the tables, we, I think we we're still in it. Um, I I feel like. Even we're from a two, we're sliding below a two. I feel like maybe three or four. Uh, I I really could see this team end up ending up as a five or a six seed. I mean, if we no, I think that if I think we go down our, the stretch and we lose another three games yeah, in the ACC, I mean, it just it depends how yeah. how the rest of the season goes. But I feel like our advanced metrics are still pretty strong. Our strength of schedule, our quality wins over a bunch of top fifty teams, all all makes for a pretty good resume. But we have to take care of business down the stretch. All right. Uh, all all this said, I had a pretty good sports watching week. Lifelong the Eagles, e- lifelong Eagles fan. You know, me and my family. My dad, my dad got to see the Eagles win a Super Bowl before they died. Before he, <laughs> my parents, before they, they left the earth, I mean, it was in doubt. Uh, oh, your dad's a massive uh, Eagles fan. Massive, massive. My my dad used to call on his sports talk radio in Philadelphia, at least you know, at least weekly. For years, he used to chart the plays. He could have had an Eagles podcast if a, a really awful Eagles podcast. Yeah. Yeah, but just like ours. Is he a glass <laughs> half full, half half empty type of guy? My dad would get so angry. every. He would just stomp and like pace and yell at the referees every game. I ended up stopping. I didn't like watching games with him when it's I got not older. not enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Although now I, now I, you know, I call him at halftime of the game sometimes. And uh, I say, man. You know, but uh, what a great run by the Eagles. Shout out to the Eagles on the uh, Duke Basketball Junkies. Uh, no Duke connections that I'm aware of on the team. But okay, who cares about Duke football, right? Yeah. A uh, couple, couple <laughs> other things for Duke hoops. Did, um, you watch, did you watch the Super Bowl, T? I did watch the Super Bowl. What did you think of the game? It was a great game. Crazy game, right? Great game. Yeah, great game. Um, I, I thought when Brady had the ball with... Just over two minutes and one timeout, I thought it was going to be an easy Patriots victory. Easy. 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 I was like, the touchdown. as long as he scores with under t- like 30 seconds left, it'll be in the bag. It was amazing how easily they, they, they racked up yards in that game. There was no defense in the game. It was actually like Duke basketball. There was zero defense. There was no <laughs> punting. It was just scoring pinball machine. So we're like the Patriots. Game. Duke's like the, the Patriots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, who's, who's, who's our uh, Malcolm Butler? Crying on the sidelines, not playing. Uh, in this game, I guess it was Javin. Javin only got one minute. We're talking I, I, about I still defense, feel like his, ham, his hamstring might be an issue. Yeah, like, those things tend to linger. Yeah. Um, the other two things I want to say about Duke hoops. One is uh, Seth Curry was shut down, which is uh, disheartening because he has he is injury prone. He has a history of of uh, lower leg injuries, so he got shut down. But he just signed a deal, right? So he's okay. Cut. Uh, before the season started, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I and, the, and the Mavericks are, are tanking. Yeah, I don't think he, you know, money's gonna be an issue for the Curry family. And then also, uh, John Shire uh, left the Notre Dame game at halftime to welcome his daughter, I believe. So John Shire, new papa. Shout out to John Shire! Congratulations. 
um, yeah. Oh, and also there was uh, a couple trades in the NBA, and somebody benefited from. Rodney, oh, Rodney Hood Rodney got traded Hood might today. Get to the, might go to the NBA Finals. Yeah, Rodney Hood. I mean, it's like a double-edged sword. On the one hand, they didn't get much for Rodney Hood, and the Utah Jazz didn't seem to want to resign him. They weren't highly motivated to keep him as part of their their future, which isn't really a great sign that the you know, like a pretty smart team coached by uh, Quinn, it's Quinn Snyder or Dukey, um, kind of was looking to to get rid of him. Okay. Um, and they didn't get that much for him, which means nobody really wanted them that bad. But what a great, what a great fit, probably in Cleveland, where he's going to get to shine, play alongside LeBron, and at least go to the conference finals, most likely. Why? Why do you say it's a great fit? This is a great fit because Cleveland, he's going to get shots. Cleveland seems like a grease fire. It was. They I'm they not, turned I'm, over the whole team. They got rid of all the old. Completely dysfunctional. Yeah. They, so, so basically, they gave away Kyrie Irving. It's a brand new team. They gave away Kyrie Irving. Uh, what was the, what did they get for Kyrie? I, Isaiah Thomas, who was traded. Yeah. Jay Crowder, who was traded. And a first rounder. And a first rounder. So they still got the first rounder, but they got back Rodney Hood. So they traded Kyrie for gonna, Rodney Hood and a first rounder. Who's only Rodney signed through the, the summer, right? Yeah. Okay. And but then, they, then they they're traded obviously planning on Dwayne Wade. Wade. I mean, Ty Lue looked like he was going to get fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dwayne it Wade just seems and, like a and Derek Rose were, I mean, what mistakes to add them to the roster as it turned out. Right. Like, do you do you think it was LeBron calling all the GMs, orchestrating all the trades? Or, I, I, or do you I, think he was like conference called in by <laughs> Corey Altman, the GM? I mean, it's clear LeBron has, <laughs> has some input on these things. But LeBron's interests no longer directly coincide with the Cavaliers' interests because it's pretty clear LeBron's leaving in a few months. Probably. You know, most people assume that. So the Cavs sort of have to look out for their their, their future interests, but but it's also clear that it's it's unclear how they're going to compete in the future without LeBron, without having made these deals at all, because they have so much salary. They were able to to at least acquire some talent, some interesting younger talent, and it seems like they got better for the future. And they at least have a blank slate this year. They're going to field a different lineup, and maybe it'll work. Okay. What was happening wasn't working very well. They weren't going to win the championship with that roster. So it, I, I think it's a long shot for anyone to win the championship. But yeah, uh, yeah, against the Warriors or maybe the Rockets. But yeah. Um, so we got Georgia Tech Sunday, and I feel like we have another relatively easy game after Georgia Tech Sunday. So hopefully, I'm not making any assumptions. Hopefully, we have two relatively pain-free Ws to get us. To right the ship and get us back towards a two seed and an easy path to the final four. Road game at Georgia Tech. Now, do you know what our ACC road record is? One and three. Uh, two and three. Okay. Two and three. The St. John's loss wasn't a conference loss. Uh, two and four in our last, you know, in our six last uh, six road games. So Georgia Tech's not a gimme, but um. You know they're four and seven in conference. It's a game we're we're supposed to win by double digits, even on the road. Uh, Virginia Tech is playing pretty decently, but it's a home game. Uh, okay. So two games we should win, but and then we get Clemson on the road, which is going to be tough. Yeah, and uh, Virginia Tech's on Valentine's Day, actually. So, um, you know, if those two games aren't that interesting, maybe we'll maybe we'll wait till after. We'll either do a podcast after after Virginia Tech or uh, 
you know, possibly uh, if we're busy. Sounds the, good. Uh, we after after Clemson. That's we haven't one. asked asked for this in a while, but email us your thoughts, your questions. You can email us at Duke Basketball Junkies Basketball Junkies at Gmail at gmail.com. Feel free to uh, leave us a five star review if you think we des- are deserving on iTunes or Stitcher or any other podcast. Yes, if you, if you leave an interesting enough review, or at least if it's funny, we, we may even read it on the air, um, especially if it's funny. Yes. Especially if you uh, criticize Pete for his <laughs> ridiculous takes. Uh, so, all right, man, it's good talking about the game with you, and I feel a little better. I got to exercise some of the, you know, some of the... So this is a, ther- a, little, this is a therapy little, session for you. Everything in my life is a therapy session. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. It's, t- it's a shame we didn't beat Carolina in Chapel Hill, which is always so enjoyable. Um, but we still have a little bit of, little bit of golf left to play this season. Yeah, and we get we get them back, uh, and hopefully we end our season the right way and destroy March. them. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Go Duke. All right. Go Duke.